0: to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into our most shortest work, five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk more about Pact. Wild idea, I know, but here we are. <laughs> Judgment 16.9, that's the name of the game. Uh, before we get into that, let's talk about our 24-hour live stream, Elliot, because we got one coming mm-hmm. up.
1: Yep, just, just the one, I think. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> the uh... first of many. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so one of the activities we're going to be doing in that, that we wanted to highlight today is, uh, we're going to be joined by our friend Jay Maniac, who wants to talk about magic and society impact with us. Um, those, those of you who are listening who are patrons might be familiar with, uh, Jay's, uh, journey through Pact, just a little bit behind us for most of it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't, Jay's, Jay's had some really great insights, uh, into the story and I'm really excited to hop on and, and discuss it during the, the live stream. Yeah, definitely. Um, And tune
0: in for that on March 7th. But for now, let's continue talking about Judgment 16.9, because it starts with things getting worse. As many (laughs) packed chapters begin, things get worse. Um, Basically, Blades continue to erupt all around Blake and our group, and um, these vestiges turn into half vestiges
1: or quarter vestiges, and they
0: begin to basically smush in on the group.
1: Yeah, and and, I mean, there's a fantastic sort of double strategy here, like, Hmm. not only is the battlefield shrinking, but the number of enemy combatants is, like, rapidly increasing. Yes. Um, There was sort of already a a strong impression last chapter about about how we had this sort of endless tide of enemies, and uh, this chapter just, like, ramps that up, and now it's just like, you know, the tide is coming in. It, It almost feels like they're being taken over by this tsunami of enemies
0: yeah it's a real scrappy chaotic kind of fight which you know on the plus side is totally blake's wheelhouse right like he (laughs) he clearly does better in these scrappy kind of fights than he does in drawn out practitioner duels
1: yeah well it's so perfect for 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 like what's going on here like like the barber is a demon of ruins so of course he's not going to have you know some formal military you know employing proper stratagems or, or or whatever like there's no order to this he's created this disordered mass of enemies and he just uses the sheer number of them to like overwhelm you. There, yeah. There's there's nothing organised about this. Yeah. Because that that would be the opposite of what he sort of stands for. Um but it, yeah, I mean, well as you just mentioned, his that's that's what his son is good at too. So. <laughs> yeah
0: like father like son, I
1: suppose. <laughs> um so so Blake Blake kind of thrives here a bit um for, for for most of it. But uh yeah like it's just it's just so perfect to everything that's been set up about the barber.
0: Yeah, 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 it definitely is, um, yeah, you're right, I did make the connection of the ruin leading to chaos, but it's a good one, um... So, Blake kind of thinks about this and thinks how basically what Barbatorum seems to be doing is kind of binding the humans, which is a bit of a wild strategy. Uh, basically, <laughs> the the thought that, you know, like binds like, and these are armies of, you know, very populous, numerous, weak creatures, which describes humans pretty well. <laughs> um, and I don't know, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but I think the fact that Blake thinks that it might be true, again, kind of makes it true.
1: Yeah, well, and a lot of the vestiges are, uh, we used to be humans. Um, and obviously, you know, in our main duo right here, we have also yes. vestiges who used to be humans. Yeah. So at the very least, it's going to do something to them. Um, yeah, I mean, walla kind of delivers on this towards the end of the chapter. Like, she she talks about how what Barbatorum does here is basically, like, uh, enchantment-style tactics. Um, and again, like, I think this, this was what really started to get me worried about Uh, how the fight's going to go over the next few chapters because they're sort of relying on being able to surprise the Barber by humaning him like like (laughs) like surprising him with their powers of belief but like this this sort of technique right here to me shows that I mean Barbatorum's pretty switched on like he kind of uses a human technique against them yeah Uh, he gets how it all works yeah like you know He's not dumb, basically, and, like, I think, you know, their their whole plan kind of relies on catching him off guard with just their belief that they can get this to work, and now we've just kind of got to hope that that's still true, even if Barbatorum knows that's what they're trying to do. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah, interesting. I, it is a, it's an interesting wrench to throw in the plan, right, of, no, no, Barbatorum understands this world too, you can't kind of just outthink him because he's operating on the same level as you guys.
1: Yeah, I mean that that seems to be the case. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, and that's a lot of this chapter sort of sets up how you know theatrical the barber is is being with a lot of this. I mean, we'll get there yeah. at the end. Um, so it, yeah, like I think I think they've maybe underestimated how clever the barbers being with a lot of this, and yeah, um, that has me. I can't say more worried because I think I'd already maxed out at worry, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's a cause for concern.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so another interesting thing that happens here is, um, and this kind of gets contextualized a bit more later, but Blake keeps referring to Rose's body. Um, and so it's a bit confusing at first, but it kind of comes out later that Blake's body is kind of seemingly a a bit of a shell around Rose's body. Um, which, which reemphasizes to me that there is in Blake's mind, at least this explicit separation of Blake and Rose still. Um, and he's not claiming ownership over this body he's kind of manifesting to protect it which is interesting to think about considering the fact that that probably means he's still on board with the rose be the one who survives plan
1: yeah like i got the impression last chapter that he was starting to scrub bits of rose's body away like kind of phase phase them out of existence to make himself more hollow um and that like i guess you know i think he maybe did that for some parts but not all but you're right yeah. like it's not he it's kind of like i feel like it's like physically it's you're right there's sort of this blake shell kind of popping out of rose like it's well, not quite around uh, her because he came out of her in a very gruesome way
0: yeah it's like a, a twig mech that rose's lifeless yeah. body is piloting
1: <laughs> yeah like those um you know, in like the the Last of Us, like those mm. sorts of zombies mm. with uh, mm. made out of funguses and stuff. It's yeah. a little fungi. It's like that. Um, yeah. So you're you're right. Like it, it's different when it's Blake in charge of Rose versus the other way around because she, I think, is the core of the essence that they are at the moment. Yes. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean they they both cop a beating here, but I think Rose is less used to doing that so yeah it'll be interesting to see how their bodies hold up going forward
0: yeah definitely i'm interested to yeah exactly to see what happens next um so blake continues to kind of fight his way through this horde of courted vestiges um and Paige starts attempting to work some magic and she's clearly trying to communicate with blake but he is too busy to stop and listen so Rose basically forces him to stop fighting by hitting him with a few well-placed and very powerful memories.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, so look, I mean obviously what's about to happen is very intense and this whole paradigm of Blake and, and Rose possessing each other is not sustainable. But I I got to admit I really liked the thought of the idea of like if you missed something it's okay because the spirit inside you heard it and they can just Yes. Help. Help, help you listen i was like oh that's pretty cool and then of course well well then the memories happen and i was like oh this is this is rough but for yeah, a moment yeah. there i was like oh
0: this is cool yeah it would have been better if blake had just listened obviously but um <laughs> yeah no it's interesting and honestly of all the terrible things to happen to blake in this story this is one i wouldn't mind just having a kind of person who can catch the things when you're not quite paying attention enough and repeat them back to you on the sly
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: um, so let's talk about this memory selection because Rose chooses <laughs> these horrifying memories, uh, memories that are so terrible that they force Blake to do something that he's never done, which is stop fighting. Um, and so <laughs> obviously in order to do this, Rose needs to find memories that are powerful enough. And and these memories would be rare because Blake is obviously basically built to never stop fighting. But still, it's like these are really messed up memories for Rose to pull, right?
1: I mean, yeah, like, as you mentioned, on the one hand, it's kind of like, okay, she has to make a big statement, because this is very not Blake, um, second of all, like, there's not many Blakey gives up memories, um, especially ones that he's going to recognize as that, so, you know, between him being a bad listener, it really being something he's not going to listen to, and them being rare, I can sort of see how Rose ended up having to choose these memories but you know I I feel like we're getting the flip side of um remember when Blake was shoving memories at her that made her start caring about people last arc yeah and she was being like really affected by it and Blake didn't seem to really register that this much Uh, like I wonder if that's what's happening here and Rose is just like oh these are good memories and they're gonna be rough but like you know it's worth it and like meanwhile Blake is just out here being like oh holy fuck Rose chill out
0: yeah, definitely. It could be. Um, yeah. I mean, we did see that disconnect from Blake's perspective when he was inside Rose's head. So it's not a, a not a huge leap to imagine that Rose probably uh, isn't as empathetic as we thought she might be around some of this stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's the other thought I had here was like, you know, we, so obviously there's the Carl related one. And then there's also the one where he was getting beaten up under the bridge in the sleeping bag. And like, would Rose have known about either of these? Even even if you discount the memory loss due to her, like she must be finding out about this as she's sort of trawling through his head, looking for memories like this. Like that's like what's going through her head as well, you know? Like yeah, like that'd that'd be interesting to see is how her learning that these are the memories Blake got left with that she lost. Like that's that's got to be a bit of a trip for her as well.
0: Yeah, true. I guess Rose doesn't know this part of the backstory that Blake seems to think now is actually definitely real, like actually happened to Rusty. So it must be really trippy for Rose to see some of this stuff and be like, oh, shit, this is my trauma. This is what happened in my life, and it's just been completely cut away from me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, like, you know, we talked about how much this hurt Blake, and it totally did, but I feel like this whole scenario was a bit of a lose-lose, which, you know, that's Blake and Rose's forte. Yeah, would have um, thought? <laughs> Uh like it's just, you know, it, this would have been painful all round, but it, it it works and it get it gets Blake to give up, which as you mentioned is a feat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um so uh
0: it's revealed what magic pages
1: cast and it seems to
0: be this kind of karmic retribution spell basically uh meaning that anybody who dishes out any damage takes you know uh retribution basically gets hurt um you know in in exchange uh, and so blake's response to this is kind of to i guess passively resist his
1: way to victory yeah he just kind of has to take take the hits and and press forward knowing that those people are getting punished in and of themselves um yeah which is like this is so yeah, what what Paige has basically set up here seems to be like super karma. And um I mean that's so great because we were just talking about how the the barber has set up this disordered sort of chaos. I I keep trying not to use that word because that's yeah. another choir, but um Paige has like fought it with the opposite. She's instilled like superpowered order and she's boosted the natural order. And it's so perfectly like this is the thing that does far and away the most damage to these hordes and is the only reason they really get out, which is Pai yeah. you know, Paige instills uh a big layer of order on the battle scene and it totally wrecks Barbatorum's um, you know, disordered group.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good thematic uh repost, but also just like a very good move by Paige because it plays yeah. exactly into Blake's strength, which is getting hurt. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah um and, and like also i guess i don't know this 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 brought up something for me like i think we've talked a lot since our reveal about humans being change engines um that you know we thought that was going to be important to how things are going to f- like fall apart at the end um this this would probably be important too right like you know page has fought the barber with the antithesis of him like we, you know I think all we've really seen with demons is you don't fight like with like with with mm. demons you fight them with their opposite yeah so I don't know how this is going to manifest but some sort of very human organizational thing feels like what might be the slam dunk to to get stuff to happen in these next four chapters oh god is that all they <laughs> have to figure it out <laughs> yeah the clock's
0: ticking huh <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah it's a really cool move by page right um and there's a lot of really cool thematic stuff. Uh, not the least is that it's great that there's a Thorburn whose specialty is just vindictive karma <laughs> magic. Like,
1: <laughs> it, it just is hilarious. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's good. Yeah.
0: Um. So we also see uh, Blake notices uh, the the bra goblin, the goblin who he gives the bra to, basically <laughs> doesn't an attack and gets punished by pages pages. You know, spell and seems to be basically out of commission now which just means this whole bra gift thing from last chapter didn't really go anywhere which i think makes it even better
1: i mean the the goblins still around at this point in the fight that's kind of impressive like yeah i suppose that's a a win for a goblin <laughs> i don't know i want to give ba- bra goblin the benefit of the doubt i'm on Ro- i'm on roses team here
0: All right, fair enough. I mean, (laughs) weird hill to to pick to fight on, but fair fair enough, Elliot, you do you. Um, So Blake, using this uh, opportunity that that, that Paige has given him, Blake manages to fight his way back to the rest of the group. But, of course, when he reaches the group, he realises that a key player is missing, Green Eyes. Um, She's kind of pinned down in a a big mess of these vestiges, and so Blake fights his way over to her and rescues her.
1: I was going to say, like, it it seemed too easy, but it totally didn't. Blake got the shit beat out of him to to get there. So yes. um, it's just packed. It it was still too easy, but it wasn't easy. Um, it, yeah, I I don't know. I love this moment because it's just like w- we just get back to safety, and just as you're about to take a breath, it's like wait, where's Green Eyes? And and it, yeah. was, you just immediately like, well, Blake's gonna have to go get her. Like that's not <laughs> yes, that's not negotiable. Yeah,
0: which is good. Like it's good that there's still. St- Things that he is not going to negotiate on, and actually, we'll pull out another one later on that I think is quite interesting. But um, yeah, this is a—he he really is her knight in shining, let's say, knight in glistening <laughs> armor, because that can have a bit grosser of an implication.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, although obviously she gets to return the favor very quickly because as they get about halfway back, uh, Paige's spell runs out and it goes back to uh, Green Eyes as a beast mode. Yeah, um, so it, it's very much a mutual the savesmanship yeah um but yeah like it was it was one of those things where the second we sort of learned what was happening to green eyes i was like oh shit like of course like she hurt like the whole thing was she was doing so well because she hurts things just by touching them yeah and so now she can't stop and that's just i mean i guess that's that's a little bit green eyes right like you know we sort of saw from rose's perspective how she was just kind of a like a crazy monster, basically, when it came to Rose, and there's no. extenuating circumstances there, but um, yeah, I I don't know. Um, Green Eyes is someone I'm very interested to see where they're at. Um, in you know, at the end of the story, because like, what what has she got in her future? I mean, we talked about this a lot at the end of Arc Twelve, but you know, what's what's her future actually going to look like? That's super interesting to me.
0: Yeah, but the thing about Green Eyes is, it seems like she'll be the one that's the most. You know, the the most content with what whatever future they manage to get. Like, as long as she's got people that she cares about, dot 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 Blake, um, <laughs> then she'll be happy. And I mean, maybe that won't happen, but it does seem like um, if if Green Eyes is going to get a happy ending, it's going to be because it's with Blake, and so they'll she'll probably be fine.
1: Well, exactly that's the thing. But what if Blake and and Chicken Nugget like bite the bullet? In, yeah, true in, in this fight. Like what would her what would her happily ever after, or does she have a happily yeah, ever I don't after at that I point? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question.
0: Um so Blake has rescued Green Eyes and the group is reunited, uh, but of course things can't ever go well for too long. They're reunited and a bunch more blades spring out everywhere. Um and Ainsley barely has enough time to save them. But she does, and she spends it all saving them. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Um I love this though. So Ainsley breaks a candle and it it turns the world into a cinematographic slow motion kind of shot um, yeah it's
1: it's like it's in-text bullet time
0: yeah and it's so wild like <laughs> I you it's the type of text uh, the moment in this text where you can just see it you can just see it in yeah. your head as people are kind of desperately trying to slow motion move their bodies out of the way of these blades that are coming at them from all angles it's it's great.
1: Yeah, like, you can picture, like, everything moving in slow-mo except their eyes and maybe, like, mm. their facial expressions. And, um, but there's a bit where Blake kind of looks across the group and sees everyone dodging their blades. Mm. And I just, like, you're right, I just pictured it as this panning shot where we're sort of crossing and seeing each one in turn. Yeah. There's the moment where we hear a green eyes shriek, which really mm. stood out to me, because I don't- That seems, like, so much more emotional than anything we've really heard from her. Like Yeah. Um, and it is cause you know, there's the second sneak attack blade coming for, for Blake and Rose. And like, you can just, again, picture like Blake's head slowly turning as the camera slowly turns to like, see this blade coming right at him. It's, um, it it's so fantastic this bit.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. Um, so yeah, the group does well with, uh, with Ainsley's help. They all managed to dodge their blades. So that's good. Uh, unfortunately these blades aren't just blades they're big pairs of scissors which start to close and everybody's caught
1: off guard this is one of those great uh twists i've always sort of talking about where it's just like as it starts happening you're like how did i not see this coming
0: yeah man it's so good we we get these (laughs) lines where everything just kind of settles down and then blake uh then we get then the first of the blades moved what i'd assumed to be blades were only part of shears or great pairs of scissors and it's this moment of like Okay, shit. we did it. We dodged, <laughs> and then suddenly, oh shit! It's like immediately, there's no way people are going to be able to dodge this cleanly, and they don't. Uh, it it really completely fucks over the team. Blake and Rose both get part of their hands cut off.
1: Um, yeah. So, like a- again, this is sort of the second moment we just talked about it, where Blake gets back to the group. There's quite a few moments in in this fight where it's just like. The second you feel like they might be able to get some some respite, it's just immediately like, oh no, things are even worse. Yeah, more blades um,
0: come out of the ground. Usually,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's such an embodiment of the story, really. Um, and and yeah, like you said, uh, Blake and Rose sort of both lose like a decent chunk of their left hands from from the seams of it, which are yeah. uh, you know. Now she matches Alistair a bit, because he's missing his right hand, right? They can
0: Yay. They can yeah, hold you, hand.
1: It's a it's like, you know, they're 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 made for each other. Yeah. Um, Actually, well that's not the right phrase to use with Rose in a couple, is it? Well, I take that. Rose back. is made for him.
0: Alistair was born for her.
1: Yeah. Um
0: can we talk about again, this this brings up the different body parts thing because Blake explicitly thinks that he loses some of his hand and Rose loses some of her hand, which is so weird and must mean they have separate hands and Blake's hands are just like a wrapper around Rose's hands.
1: Yeah, yeah, like I am sort of picturing it as it's kinda of like Blake with bits of Rose underneath and he's phased some bits out, but like there's still lots of Rose flesh kind of visible where he would normally be hollow. Um, which I guess just kind of means it's closer to what Blake was, you know, like in arc 10 or so before he, before he fully twigged out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, there's this other line that I really like where Blake uh, thinks I had to double check that I hadn't been cut so deep that there was a double of me. Which, first of all, that's just insane. Like, the the idea <laughs> of Blake being cut in half again. But I'm also really curious to see what a courted version of Rusty would have looked like. Like, Blake and Rose and, you know, Ross and Bridget, I guess.
1: I, yeah, I, I had the same thought. I was like, I feel terrible, but, like, I'm kind of disappointed no one got cut, because I wanted to see yeah. what, what it would look like. I, no one yeah, got the... cut that we know of. Well, yeah, true. Um... But, like Blake and Rose, yeah, that'd be a really interesting one. Like, where would the cut go? like what what rules and stipulations are there around cutting them again, especially now that one's possessing the other?: Well, um,
0: I was kind of thinking for a second. on my first read, not this time around, but on my first read, I was thinking, what if Blake's hand get? it's cut off and then suddenly there's just like these two little vestige hands that are trying to like choke them or something (laughs) or maybe maybe Blake can like adopt one of them and then he has this hand pet that he can like throw at things and it'll try and choke them and stuff don't pretend that wouldn't have been awesome
1: (laughs) no yeah yeah sure um yeah I don't know like like I, I went off on a big tangent here in my library thinking about, like, do you reckon Rose Senior might have put extra rules in the agreement about cutting Blake and Rose, about mm. cutting them again? Yeah. um, Like, maybe they're protected from subsequent cuts in some way. Um, That would be a nice feature for them to have in this final fight, is why I was yeah, thinking true, that. true, true. Um, but even then, like, you know, yeah, with them possessing each other, would it be, like, two halves of Blake and Rose? Like, would we have two half possessions going on? Would it like, maybe they just pop back out and it'd be Blake and Rose again. That'd be convenient. So <laughs> n- not that.
0: Yeah, that'd um, be so helpful.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I was, yeah, again, I was kind of like, oh, would have been cool if they got cut. Like, it would have been awful, but would have been cool. Yeah. Um, so
0: the group has manages to kind of pull themselves together. Then then none of them are dead from this, so that's good. Um, and they managed to finally bust into the tower, slipping inside, and they kind of
1: seal the door closed behind them. And so it took me till here to realise that this chapter is just a zombie movie. Yeah. Like we've just had the hordes of of like mindless enemies. We had we had the die, the heroic dive into the crowd to rescue someone who fell over. And um now we have the conversation about if anyone got bit.
0: Yeah, totally. It's it's great. I love that last pull out of they are just talking about if anyone got bit without no- them noticing <laughs> in this. It's such a good pull. Um the thing I love is they, they, you know, they're worried about is Did anyone get barbered? And it's a good thought. Like, it's something they should check. But immediately, Paige is like, "Well, what about you, Blake?" And they kind of figure out that Blake didn't. But then that's the end of the conversation. Like, they didn't rule <laughs> anybody else out, and it gives me this feeling of like, "Oh, I hope this doesn't come back."
1: Yeah, yeah. I like on my second read through, I did sort of try to like, you know, put my tin foil on and and see if I could deduce if anybody might have been barbered. Um, I don't think. So, but if I had to put money on it, I reckon Lola mm. Ainsley's Ainsley's too obvious as a suspect. She, you know, because we we just saw that um like two chapters ago, I think it was like the the fat the fat lump guy, and then you know there was like the crazy muscle woman yes. other half. And so like m- my thinking was Ainsley got cut, and this is sort of the weakness half, and then there's some super Ainsley like probably climbing the building or something. <laughs> yeah um, i'd love to see that <laughs> whereas uh like whereas L- Lola's actually the one who kind of redirects the conversation so maybe we've got cunning L- lola here but anyway again this is all foiling. i i would not put money on either of these but it was fun to fun to get paranoid for a bit <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah, so I realise we've skipped over a bit as well, which is
0: there's this moment where Peter pulls what is the best play I've ever seen him make, which is he starts to enter the tower, ducking under a blade, and stops as this blade falls down and then complains that Barbara is too predictable, which is so <laughs> perfect. It's like such a weird, awesome Peter Thorburn thing to do.
1: Yeah, well, you know what was funny as well? It struck me as a very Blake thing to do, because everyone else, like, sort of apart from Blake, is sort of like, oh, like, what are you doing? You could have told us, you know, like, just just go off and do stuff like that. And I was thinking, geez, good thing Blake didn't join in on criticising that, because I could totally see early story Blake uh, doing this while the group was there and just being like, yep, yep, I knew that was coming uh, without telling anyone beforehand. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's some interesting bits here about how the blades are very weak, and I think it leads into the conversations that we're about to have um, about the barber and where exactly he's out he's at power wise mm.
0: yeah well we're going to talk about that in a little bit because um the group kind of chats about this for a bit before they head up uh, they head up uh, it's blake and some of the group ainsley lola evan and the Musketeers are left behind um and evan i think is a bit rightfully annoyed at this
1: yeah i mean trying to get mr doesn't let things go to to stay behind was always going to be a bit of a struggle and it seems like Seems like Evan is willing to stay behind, but he's not happy about it.
0: Yeah, um, and let's talk about the reason behind this, right? Because Blake talk, says that the reason is, in case things go fucked up, up upstairs, they need to tear down the tower and this will, you know, be an okay backup plan. Um, but that's kind of bullshit, right? Like, <laughs> if things go that badly, I don't think the, the, the remaining leftovers of Anthony Lola, Evan and the Musketeers are going to be that much help. I think it's just Blake doesn't want to gamble Evan's life here. Like even in this most desperate of situations, he isn't willing to put Evan in such a dangerous situation, which considering that we've kind of tracked how Blake has been uh, kind of abusing his relationship with Evan a bit, especially in arc 13, it's a good sign.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I sort of tried to read that into it as well. Like, I think that's the explanation that makes the most sense um he kind of has tried to do that in the past like keep evan out of the danger zone and this is probably you know this is a fight that's going to have a wider danger zone than any other one um so he needs to keep evan even further away but uh i mean there's also all the factors to do with evan he's going to be coming down from sort of high uh with Mm. all this fire like i think he's you know he's getting back to his original size from the seams of it so um there's a chance he might just he's about to get into a real rough spot after the sort of um you know massive hit of all this fire energy,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. He's probably on a come down um so the we the, you know this this splinter group goes upstairs and as they're walking up the stairs, there's more discussion about Johannes and Barbatorum and the domain and how it all pieces together, and they're kind of putting together a nugget of a plan here which is that Barbarotom's acting weird right he's acting strange by maintaining a number of human uh kind of things and and it seems that this is because he is maintaining a connection with Johannes for political leverage right um and seemingly Johannes still is probably in there a bit um and so that's the kind of weakness that they're hoping to exploit if they can somehow separate barbatorum from johannes he'll lose a lot of power in this domain and that will make it easier for them to deal with him
1: yeah and we'd sort of touched on some of this like the idea that um barbatorum was dependent on johannes for the connection to the domain and yeah and phase and yeah. stuff um but somehow we'd sort of missed how that might be sort of working a bit mechanically and how that works as a weakness um which is bizarre because we've been dealing for the last arc and a half with you know, a possessed couple, and somehow I never thought to extrapolate to what might be going on with Barbatorum and Johannes. Um But it's certainly, you know, much much like uh, any Wild Bo Big Bad, the, the issue here is that Yo- uh, Barbatorum is dependent on a tighter humanity, and humanity is a weakness that can be exploited.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um Yeah, you're right, it's a classic Wild Bo finale in that way, I suppose.
1: Um, um, I, I actually haven't read enough Wobbo finales to make that sort of blanket statement, but <laughs> two for two. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so, yeah, they reach the top of the tower. We've got Blake, Mags, Green Eyes, Peter and Paige. Um, and at the top, they see Faisal doing some magic angel gatekeeper shit, Barba Harness sitting on his throne, and a half of a dragon that's there to fuck them up. Um, and this is it. It's the final showdown.
1: Yeah, and so I just I have to read these lines from as they reach the, the top of the tower. Um, where where Blake thinks to himself, I was running out of strength, drawing from a finite well. I was prepared to cede control, to simply let go and let Rose be Rose, and I knew it might be my last action. But I do my damnedest to put up a fight all the same. We reached the top of the stairs, Rose's heart pounded as we crested the top, though the exertion was mine. And like that's just fuck, that's a good line. Like, that's such good writing. This, like, we set up this little warrior moment for Blake where he he basically is entering this room and that thought essentially boils down to, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to end my time in this room by killing myself. Mm. And it's capped off with this line, Rose's heart was pounding as Blake is doing the heavy lifting, which is just like, again, like, the way Pact just works, what's happening symbolically into yeah. the actual story is so fantastic. Like I, yeah. I, I love this.
0: Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um I love the way this is kind of hanging a lampshade on, this is it, this is the finale. Um yeah. and if and Blake sets the stakes for himself that if he gives up control here, he knows he's not coming back.
1: Um, yeah, well he's basically saying regardless of how this goes, this is it This is it me. for me, yes
0: exactly. And it's such a perfect way of uh setting us up because you know i'm sure wild Boat wouldn't be writing this unless it was going to come up or at least be kind of threatened at some point throughout the rest of this story
1: yeah yeah but I, I just i couldn't get over that line about rose's heart pounding while blake does the the heavy lifting It's so it's so good um yeah. but then it leads into what is a frankly bananas scene so like if we just move through this one step at a time because holy fuck um so first of all the dragon isn't even cut like completely like no <laughs> like Babahana's is just flexing with it it's just the barbers just cut it and surrounding it has surrounded the throne with it just just as a power play
0: yeah um like, it's a bit of an insane move right
1: <laughs> like yeah ho- holy fuck and um you know we're just talking about like the relationship with Johannes and stuff this really just shits on everything Johannes was standing for <laughs> as well yeah Um, and then that's not even the craziest thing in the scene because the spheres that have been like in the sky the whole time are apparently like a whole other thing up here because they're just like straight up gateways to, I I don't even know where the fuck they're gateways to, but it's bad places. Uh, Well, yeah, it's not not happy places.
0: They seem to be, they have a lot of demonic imagery, right? They described as there's parts of like, uh one of these spheres crowded in teeming masses, uh giving giving like a close up of the shapes there, which are lesser demons, so that's fun already. There's one that's like fire and ruin. There's one that's darkness. There's like very uh strong demonic imagery kind of hinting to us, uh this gatekeeper who is opening gates is not opening gates to nice places.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like this is where Faisal falls into the barber's plans, basically. uh i i don't know if barbatorum is planning on opening these gates fully or whether this is just a power play but like either way i mean there's the one where it's just it's just the darkness and when they look in it there's this sense that it's just taken what you were looking at Like, like it's it's like it's like a i assume this is a higher level first choir demon than ur um yeah 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 it's it's such it's such a crazy like this whole set piece like this this chapter just ends by defining the set piece for next chapter, which is all these fucking demon spheres of awfulness surrounding uh, mostly chopped up dragon and Johanna's slash barbatorium in a power pose with Faisal behind them. Like it's, I think Mag sums it up perfectly with the final line of just, fuck.
0: Yeah, which, again, coming from Mags, perfect. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, so basically the plan here is they're on this big tower. It's uh, basically a sumo wrestle. They've got to knock Barba- Barbatorum off of the tower, and that will, you know, not win them the day, but make things slightly better.
1: Yeah, which, like, yeah, I don't see how they're going to do. And, and as you said, like, that that's only step one of <laughs> yeah. uh you know, Blake number of steps. Yeah, their their plan is
0: like that meme where step three is just a bunch of question marks and step four (laughs) is beat Barbaturum. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, yeah, we'll see how they do that next chapter, I suppose, (laughs) because that's the end of 16.9. But before we wrap up the episode, let's dive into some comments and see what people were talking about five years ago when this chapter first came out.
1: Elliot, hit us with that comment. Uh, so I've got a comment from quite possibly a cat, uh, who I think quite optimistically, uh, takes the opinion that Faisal, is, everything is still going according to Faisal's plan. Yeah, um,
0: sure, so sure. Very optimistically, <laughs> I think, at this
1: point. Um, they, they do concede at the end that maybe it's just like there's, there's remnants or, or Faisal might, might have backup plans, which I think is more realistic, um, but I, I just sort of wanted to bring this up because we'd sort of skipped over in the notes. Um like, you know, Faisal's here. He's he's a player in this. Yeah. Um, that that's that's gonna have to be a thing at some point, whether he is just a slave to your uh, to Barbatorum or whether he's gonna fucking do something good for a change. Yeah. Um <laughs> or, like I'm very interested to see where Faisal ends up in this. Cause surely I know I know he wasn't a big fan of humans, but I think he hated the demons more, so um You'd think sacrificing himself in this situation would be something he would consider surely like I, I don't know I think you know he he is a planner that was his whole his whole interlude was about establishing him as a planner, so hopefully he's coming or has come up with a little a little something. I'm not expecting him to be the linchpin of, of everything that's about to happen, but if he can if he can tilt the board just a little bit to let our our spinning top Blake tip things off um perhaps literally right here. Ah, uh, That would be nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It does seem like right now he's completely under Barba Harness's thumb. Um, I put out a comment by Grin Vader, and, and Grin Vader mentioned something that I think a lot of comments were talking about, which is exactly what can Barba do while he's in Johannes, right? Like, because, you know, let's compare Faisal's relationship with the real Johannes uh, as we saw it it didn't seem like Faisal was under his thumb, right? It seemed like Faisal was an ally that was kind of taking politically aligned moves. Um, and maybe that's just because Johannes wasn't dominating him as much, but it it, it wasn't a slave-master relationship. There's so much as it seems to be now,
1: right? No, well, it seemed like a much more balanced, uh, familiar relationship. Of course, obviously, we know part of that was because Faisal was being a twat the whole time. Yes. But... um. Yeah, like, obviously, I you know, I'd be willing to believe that Barbatorum comes with enough oomph that he can just sort of subsume Faisal's willpower. Yeah. Um, it's not something Faisal wouldn't deserve, in my opinion. Sure. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it fits into what we were just talking about. Like, I think Faisal's going to get to do something. Yes, I suspect so, too.
0: Um, The other thing that Grinvader reminds us of is that at one point, Blake just totally slashed out Johannes' eyeballs, which is a fucking (laughs) mad lad thing to do. And I think we shouldn't forget that Blake at one point looked at a guy and was like, you're dying, you know what, here, and just kind of cuts his eyes off. And it's like, all right, Blake, good moves, good moves.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because there's the line about how um, Johannes doesn't blink at them here. And yes. and this was something that that these commenters were sort of talking about was um uh like might that have anything to do with what Blake did as Barbatorum got in there?
0: <laughs> yep. Um so yeah, we'll uh we'll have to see how this plays out.
1: Yeah, because um, that's uh that's it for sixteen point nine. Yeah. Uh thanks for joining us folks in this our final bonus episode.
0: Uh if you want to, you can leave us your thoughts on our f- uh discussion i almost said final discussion question but not yet on our (laughs) current discussion question which is talking about what would your domain be like and a lot of people have put a lot of thought into designing their perfect domains and i'm really interested to see everybody's so um, if you want to answer that discussion question you can leave your answer or just general thoughts on this chapter on the show in our discussion thread which we linked down
1: below yes uh and if you head on over to doofmedia.com that's where you can find a bunch of other shows that also do discussion questions. Uh, Kingslingers, they do them. We've Got Ward, they do Mm -hmm. them. Um, I don't know about we want more, actually. Do the right uh, thing
0: is basically one big discussion question.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, So, yeah, go go check it out. There's tons of stuff to talk about on the Doof Media Network, which is why we love being a part of it.
0: Yeah. Um, If you want to get in touch with us uh, and you don't like Reddit and you don't want to check out the website, well, do you really want to get in touch with us, I guess? But if, you, if you're if you sure you do and you don't like those <laughs> methods, check out our Twitter, which is at Media MT podcast. That's where you can tweet at us, see all the cool memes that we tweet, see all its live reads, all that good stuff.
1: Yep. Uh, and we also have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Media. For $1, the big perk you get is access to the Discord. Heck yeah. That's another way to get in touch with us. Um, I'm there way too much, personally. Uh, I'm very very accessible there.
0: (laughs) The Discord has a bunch of fun little events and activities. Um, Recently, a lot of people have gotten really into playing Minesweeper. So, for about four hours today, (laughs) I played Minesweeper and chatted to people about it. So, that was fun.
1: Yeah. At one point, there were six people collaboratively playing Minesweeper. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, So, that's the kind of wacky shit that happens in our Discord, and it's honestly fantastic. So, you should come check it out. Yep. Um,
0: if you are on Patreon and want to support another person in addition to Doof Media, maybe recommend Wildbow. I mean, he only just wrote this heckin' story, so um, <laughs> head on over to patreon.com forward slash Wildbow and give him some dollars.
1: Absolutely. And uh, with that, we will see you all on Friday, the 21st of February, as we dive into Judgment 16.10. See you then.